Welcome back to People Analytics. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today, I have with me Lynn Loeb, who is the Director of Human Resources at Vitelli. Welcome, Lynn. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So can you tell everyone who you are, what you do, and why you do it? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, my name is Lynn Loby, and I'm the Director of Human Resources at Vitelli. Um, and why do I do it? I have an intense passion around helping people. Yeah. That's the why. Yeah. And we're going to dig into that today. I'm very excited. So yeah, let's just jump right into it. I know that your biggest passion is your family. So can you tell me a little bit about that passion? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. So I have um, two, two kiddos, uh, one who's about to be 18 uh, here in a couple of weeks. Um, that's kind of wild because I don't know where that 18 years went. Uh, and then I have a 13 year old. These are both boys and they keep me on my toes and, um, you know, just incredibly bright minds and feeling good about, you know, future for them. So they also have two dogs, uh, one male, one female, and the little female is about six pounds worth of I don't know. She's, she's kind of feral at times, but <laughs> she's the right kind of naughty. That's what I yeah. say. It's always the little ones you have to look out for. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's I right. have a, a pug beagle mix and whew, he gets into some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't always make the best choices, but I love her anyway. Right. Right. You, you love them. <laughs> right. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about when that passion kind of ignited. Did things change for you um, after having kids in the workplace? Um, did you kind of notice things uh, that were different before and then after? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. So I, I really started my, my career journey a long time ago. I mean, you know, who doesn't dabble in the whole babysitting thing and, yeah. um, you know, trying to, trying to figure out the whole workforce situation. My first actual job was a Dairy Queen and I, I feel like I could still, you know, figure out how to do that Dairy Queen curl. <laughs> Um, and then I went into the military and so I was in the army and that was a big exposure point for me around, you know, human interaction and, you know, how to work together as a team. Um, and, you know, just trying to understand the different personalities of people and how they can truly work together. Right. And, you know, and, and witnessing and observing how divides can, you know, can often lead to a path of nowhere. So I, I really invested a lot. I, I'm an observer. Like, you know, I'm the weird lady at the airport who's checking <laughs> everything out. So I just love, I love to, I just love to observe people. Um, but, but fast forward then to that, I, I mean, I've always had some level of HR in, in my career pathway. And I think because it's that people element, um, but before and after kids, I mean, what life changes in a wild, wild variety of ways, um, you know, after having children. And I think for me, it was around, you know, I'm definitely somebody who likes order. I think that comes from, you know, a little bit of my military background. Yeah. Um, you know, it, how to, how to engage with your children. Right. So it's, it's just even more around like, you know, you've got a room full of, of toys and, you know, if somebody who likes order, it's like, how do you, how do you let kids be kids and have yeah. fun with all those toys everywhere? But then how do you make this so that it's also, um, appealing to want to clean up your toys, right? Yeah. Um, and, and do it in a way where your kids aren't, you know, fighting the fight and, you know, everybody's in a little bit of harmony. So, yeah, so I, I think that's then how fast forward to today, you know, being the director of HR at a, a global company, 
you know, being able to, um, you know, have a connection point with, with our employees and understanding wants and needs. And, you know, that's one of the greatest things about working in the environment that I am in is that, you know, it's kind of a, the world is your oyster approach a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I love the development piece, the employment law piece, the immigration piece. I mean, there's just so many different pathways and all put, put a company on a path for betterment. And what a, what an awesome position to be in. Yeah. And what an incredible story you have too. Um, So we recently had a guest who is a champion for veterans in the workplace. And uh, she shared uh, information that is so important for other people leaders to understand is that veterans have a very unique skill set. And it's so when you're thinking about your experience in the military, what kind of unique skill set, you said orders is one, uh, what other um, things do you bring to the workplace? Well, this, depending, I I mean, depending upon who you ask, I mean, I don't, I don't ever look at anything. I, I feel like I can do anything. That's amazing. I love that. Well, well, thank you. Right. But, but then my, my, you know, I've, I've been, it's been said that, you know, I get overzealous in the things I want to accomplish. Right. (laughs) So it's a blessing and a curse. Right. Um, But I think that part that we get to embody, you know, in, in human resources is that, again, if you make those connection points with the variety of folks or all the folks in an organization, you know, you, you can draw in the ability to inspire people to want to do the work, right? I mean, HR is not, HR is a team sport Mm. Uh, and and everybody is impacted, right? So yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So I I like that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I know that you just love, you know, all things HR and just helping people in general. So, um, you know, tell me about what that was like being a helper growing up and then transitioning, you know, from childhood helping to adulthood helping and, you know, finding your place in HR? Oh, gosh. That's, that's, a, that's a big question. <laughs> that's a really big question. Um, I think I think one of the things in my childhood is that, you know, I was, even in my family dynamics, I, I was a little bit of the I wouldn't say a peacekeeper, but I think it was more about like who's on first, right? Like yeah. who's here and who's got this and what's on this schedule. And then even in a, you know, from a friend group situation, it was like, you know, if, if someone was going through something down and out, you know, I was mm-hmm. tended to be the, the person to go through, but I also had a really good hero in my life. That was my father. And so oh. he, he was a, a meat cutter and a butcher. And so his clientele were, you know, loved him not only because he just was very artful in how he, you know, cut the meat, but, you know, he was oftentimes a therapist for people. Oh. And, you know, I mean, these, these folks, a lot of folks would come to him and just kind of divulge all of this very confidential information. And he always kept it close to his, close to the vest. And, um, you know, sometimes people would say, well, what do you, what do you advise on that? And he, he would where he could, but he'd also reserve that right to be like, I don't know, but maybe you could you know, go down this avenue to, to try to find a resource. Right. And I just think that was really empowering in the sense of, you know, empathy, empathy. It, it was, a, it was an excellent example of empathy for me. Right. And so not to say that he didn't get angry with people, but he was also very good at, you know, sharing when there were points that feedback was, was valuable. And so, um, yeah, kind of, kind of going back to that, 
you know, if I'm in a tough spot or I have to make a tough decision. So those are some of the things that ground me. And I look back on that and go, you know, what would my dad do about that? Yeah. And it's so interesting when you tell that story. I, I see so many parallels of, you know, HR in the people space um, that you would have never thought with, um, you know, uh, a butcher's uh, <laughs> business. So that's really, really cool to see that and and see, you know, you have your father be an example of, you know, who you are now today. Yeah, yeah, it definitely um, ingrained in me a lot of um, values first kind of way of, of living. So, so, but, but people, people and probably dogs are, you know, where I, where, where really the passions are, right? Yeah. I don't have all the answers, but I definitely, it goes back to when I feel like I can do anything. I mean, we can, it's like what I tell my kids, like, there's always a way, mm-hmm. you know, we just have to talk through and walk through and figure out what that is, but there's always a way. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I know that you've always had an HR component to your career. So can you tell me a little bit about that journey starting out, um, you know, as a young professional and then, you know, making your way into the HR leadership role you are in today? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, it goes even back to my military days. I was a squad leader quite early in my career um, didn't know what I was doing. Um, look back on that a lot and go, you did not know what you were doing. Okay. Um, there's always a solution. There's always a way through. Um, but then, you know, I think I really started to, uh, refine certain points when I moved on to the university of Minnesota and, you know, again, was in a supervisory and management role there. And, you know, again, leaning into, you know, empathy wasn't really the buzzword then, but, you know, there's obvious symptoms and signs of when people show up to work and, you know, how they are normally versus, you know, maybe when something is going on in their lives. And so, um, you know, just, just have always had some level of management in my background. And so always tried to have some type of close relationship with HR so I could get an understanding of not only how I could be a team player with HR, but, you know, what, what are some resources available, um, you know, which are always changing in the world uh, for, for that point in time. But when I started at Vitelli, um, that was uh, back in 2020. So, you know, we had COVID that was happening. And, um, you know, I, it was an interesting, I have a very interesting career path I've carved out for myself. And so Vitelli was this really awesome way for me to be able to put everything back in sync in, in my animal science world. And then this corporate pathway I had carved out. And so I met this fantastic individual um, who is our CEO, and uh, I, I, you know, as as people would say, I drank Kool Aid, um, <laughs> you know. And I think it was, gosh, maybe eight months after I'd started, you know, we had a talk around, you know, we had the need for, uh, you know, some HR components, and that's where then this whole thing um, was born. So. I've been on a learning journey. I've always been on a learning journey, but this has been a hundred percent focused on HR and, you know, no day is the same. And I, I definitely don't know it all, but, um, you know, you try to surround the, surround yourself with people who, who know more than you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, there's, there's nothing we can't solve or, or work through. So. Yeah. And, you know, something I really love about your journey is, the importance of opportunity and giving people opportunity. Um, Because I know that, um, you know, you were asked to put some foundational bricks into place and that that's a huge opportunity and also can be very overwhelming. So how did you, you know, tackle that? 
Ah, uh, gosh, that that is a really good question. It feels a little bit of, you know, we joke here at Vitelli that, you know, we're moving at such a high rate of speed that, you know, being here for six months is, you know, the equivalent of like two years, um, you know, because we're accomplishing a lot. And I, and I like how you framed up that, you know, it's one of the things our CEO speaks to is that, you know, we're all here and we're, we have the ability to, to put a brick in place with our name on it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, because of my passion for people, I think that's where it, you know, and she saw that in me. And so I think that's where, you know, it was kind of like, okay, every day, you know, what can we make happen? And what, what could be the goal for the week and what's the goal for the month and the quarter and, you know, so on and so forth. And again, I didn't do this alone. I mean, I have had the support of many and, you know, have, have had many folks, you know, offer up their feedback and, um, you know, kind of a sense of direction or, you know, a guiding light, if you will. And uh, again, it's, it's a team sport, right? So, but, you know, you, you start, you start with, I, I think we, you know, we had to really establish what our, our HRIS system was. Um, we're international or global. So, you know, we, we've got a couple different mechanisms for payroll. And then you got to start building out policies. And then you've got to, you know, put some definition around how do people grow in the development? And, you know, what do we do from an immigration perspective? And, you know, every different state has a different law for different things, right? And, you know, how do we stay within the framework of that? And then also then go beyond the borders. And, yeah, I mean, no day is the same. And, you know, for me, I, I, I love a pattern, but I like to, I, I, I love to, you know, go beyond those boundaries. Yeah, definitely. Um, so my next question is, um, you know, comparing, you know, what's it like with an HR program that already exists that needs to be overhauled versus starting fresh? So do you think one is harder than the other or do they have their own unique challenges? Yeah, I think there's complexities on both sides, right? I mean, you know, one of the things when you're starting out fresh is, you know, you, you want to tackle everything at once, which is impossible. Yeah. You know, so you got to really prioritize and, and you also have to be okay with, you know, okay, now this priority has come into play, you know, what needs to take a back seat? And that that's pretty eye-opening, right? And then, you know, I think on the flip side, if you're a 10-year established company, I think, you know, there are a lot of um, pieces that, you know, could require change and change management is its own beast. Yeah. And if, if not done well, um, you know, it's, it's thrown companies for a loop, right? Yeah. So uh, delicacies on both, both pieces, I think. Exactly. So I know that, you know, you had a lot of work ahead of you when you started, you know, putting the pieces of the HR um department into place. So I know that, you know, when you have processes, you can focus on other things and kind of help prevent fires. So what has helped you in your processes that to help prevent those fires? Yes. So well, that's a great question. I don't, I don't know that we've landed the plane on, on preventing fires, <laughs> but, Do but does any, yeah, does any company, right? Exactly. I mean, I think you got to sit down and really listen to people. And I think that's where, you know, curiosity and, you know, the, the will to understand other, other people's, my perspective on what could be a fire could be really different, you know, from what our VP of product development might be. Right. And so establishing a baseline around, um, you know, who's, who's in need of what and what's realistic, right. It can all get done, but you know, what can you map out? What can be scoped? And, you know, I think cost is a, is a piece around it too, but you know, when you're looking at processes overall, I mean, you want to be able to scale as a company. And I think a lot of times we're, we're, you know, very 
very rigid structures get the, get into a little bit of trouble is that you, you have to sit there and say to yourself, this is a living, breathing document, you know, yeah. or this is a living, breathing system, and no one's telling you you can't change it. Mm, yeah. I mean, so you can actually live in it in a little bit. I mean, map out all the things that make the most logical sense. And then you put things into um, real life play. And, you know, if it's, something's not working, it's okay to say this isn't working. Yeah, absolutely. And I know with those fires, you have a very healthy relationship with them and you view them as learning stepstones. So uh, can you talk about the value of that? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. I, when I my younger self would get probably frustrated. I know I got, I did get frustrated um, because I was always trying to control everything. <laughs> and that was one of the things when I was on my leadership journey, getting my executive MBA at Rockhurst University was I was very intentional. I said that to my coaches, like, I don't want to control everything. How do I, how do I stop trying to control everything? Right. And, you know, it's laughable because I never had control. <laughs> like I thought I did, right. Yeah. Um, and so I think once you start to get really comfortable with knowing that and coming to that reality, you start to see things in a much different way. And then you do start to relax into this is an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, there's just such excitement around that because it, it really does change everything, how you look at everything mm-hmm. a variety of ways. I mean, there's still fires. You can still categorize them as fires, right? But again, when you combine, um, we're going to figure it out and you combine that with, there's nothing we can't do, you know, it's going to get done. And leading with that is is a little bit simpler, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And so you touched uh, a little bit on immigration earlier, but I'd like to dive into that topic because I know that it is a passion point of yours and something that, you know, as an international organization, you deal with a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And that's definitely an opportunity that um, has been afforded to me, you know, by Vitelli. Um, I have a, a lot of, you know, colleagues who do work uh, globally and, you know, been fortunate enough to have met them throughout my, my career. And I'm definitely somebody who doesn't see that talent doesn't, talent just doesn't have borders to me, right? And I think now more than ever, it's not just how it impacts Vitelli, it's, it's how it impacts um companies all over the globe. It's not US specific. It's not UK specific. I mean, there's talent everywhere. And when we isolate ourselves into one geographical space, that's a challenge. And mm. and why? Right? Yeah. Why? Why? I mean, if we learned anything from COVID, it's like, isn't isn't that one of those things? So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So when you started getting involved in immigration and learning about immigration law, what was something that surprised you that you think that not many people know? That's a really good question. And I walked in with my rosy colored glasses on (laughs) and my we can get anything done mentality. And I think I opened the I opened the box and I was like, I don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) um but but you know there's you know there again you know that sincere will to go okay we've we've got this talent that we know exists beyond our borders how do we get it you know so that it's um applicable to what we're doing throughout the globe and you know how does that help us and so but 
I'm not trying to go around your question there, but it really was just like this whole eye-opening event of, you know, and I think, I think the other piece here too, is that there's very different approaches in the U.S. to, you know, how it's done in other countries. Mm-hmm. You know, there's parallels, but there's just very variations that, and I think, you know, sometimes the laws change and you might not be aware. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes your trusted legal counsel isn't even aware. And it's just like, now you've got to kind of, you know, pivot around that. Wow. That, that is chaotic. <laughs> so as someone who enjoys order, <laughs> how, how do you tackle that kind of chaos? Um, I think it's just also having the exposure to some really good project managers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a project manager expert. I've been able and fortunate enough to work alongside some. And, and I think that's where, you know, that sense of order comes into play. It's like, okay, how can you strategically map this out? So that this entropy that you've got going on can now be, you know, put into a scope that has a workflow um, to it. And so I think without that, I'd be back into my old ways of, you know, trying to control the whole mechanism when in reality, if you've got it mapped out, you just, it becomes a plug and play. Yeah. So, you know, you talked a little bit about global mobility. What are some challenges that you think need to change um, in order to have increased global mobility in the workplace? Oh, good question. I think, you know, and this is, of course, easier said than done, but, you know, I think there's a, a ton of bureaucracy around this yeah. uh, whole whole approach. Um, you know, automate, automate, automate where you can, right? Um so I think I think we can you know do a little bit better there. I mean that could be a loaded question around you know some politics. So I'll stay away from that. <laughs> Fair, <laughs> but you know I think it's a matter of you know there is a need. I think there's you know I think this ties back to a whole ton of other things that you know we see for our future, right? I mean globalization is here, mm-hmm. and so some of the antiquated approaches. I mean a lot of people that work in immigration would tell you it's not working. Yeah. Right. So how do we how do the voices collectively come together in a way that then, you know, you've got a platform to say this isn't working. So what can we fix? And then now it goes into there's going to be entropy. How do we project manage this? Yeah. And and it doesn't. And that's that's the kind of the issue. Right. I mean, there can be a lot of cooks in this kitchen and in this endeavor. And it's. Yeah. How do how do you do it so it's fair and equitable and doable? Yeah. I mean, it's it's you bring up such a good point um, because. I have to be honest, I do not know where you're calling in from. <laughs> okay. It's it's so odd. Like we, we've gotten to this point where it's like, oh, we can connect with whoever, wherever um, that, you know, halfway through this uh, recording, I was like, I don't even know where, where Lynn is sitting in the world right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually in Lenexa, Kansas. It's a beautiful sunny day, which is about oh, 20 minutes from downtown Kansas City. Um, yeah, so, we're, so yeah, that's, that's where our Vitelli headquarters is located. Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, a lot, and, and this isn't a plug for Vitelli, but it is, but <laughs> is that, you know, we have a lot of remote roles, um, and I do work from home occasionally. And then, you know, we have a lot of specialized talent who work in our laboratories, um, who are, we also have folks who are working hard out in the field. Um, you know, that would be our veterinarians and our field embryologists, and they're highly engaged with our commercial team and our customers, right? And so this is an effort. It is a global effort. And so, yeah. Yeah. It's where it's global. As you said, globalization is here. <laughs> it's here. Yeah. Can't forget it. 
Well, Lynn, this has been a great conversation. I really enjoy your views on HR, your passion about HR, your passion for people. I feel like we covered a lot, but is there something that you would like to add or think that I missed during the conversation? Oh, goodness. I mean, I could I could go on with this conversation for, for hours and hours and hours. I think, I think the last piece I would add in is that, you know, I've met some interesting uh, folks, students um, who are trying to figure out their pathway right now. Mm-hmm. And they're like, how do I, I'd like to go into HR, but I really want to stay in animal science. And I think, you know, people really, you know, take time, spend time in that. There's an opportunity there, right? So, I mean, we've got animal science that's not just on the ground working with animals. We need people in finance. We need people in HR. Um, There's so much that can be done with this, you know. And so I think, you know, if you're entertaining any kind of um, animal science program and you're kind of looking outside around what would be the non-conventional animal science route, look look into those things and, and speak with your advisors and, yeah, have those conversations. Yeah, and I do have one more question uh, that popped into my head. How does it feel to combine your passions with HR and animals, specifically dogs? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that is a really good question. I don't know. I get really excited. I get really excited. <laughs> oh, I love that you get excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you don't know me, I mean, you could probably be like, you know, gosh, she needs to, you know, <laughs> I think the folks that I'm, you know, blessed to work with, they know me pretty well to know by now that this is, this is pretty authentic, but I, you know, the relationships that you have in your life are critical, right? And I think that, you know, the universe puts people in our pathway for a reason. And sometimes we see those and there's clarity around that and sometimes not, but ultimately you get somebody in my role, you get, you get the ability to touch somebody and impact for the positive in every situation that you can work in. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, tying that back to dogs, I mean, honestly, yeah, I, at one stage of my life, I actually started a dog rescue in Florida and loved, loved that a ton. And so worked with a lot of folks. Um, the model was actually uh, uh, helping dogs in the Humane Society um, that were kind of on death's door, if you will. They were slaughtered for euthanasia. So we would pull those um, those guys. And then um, the folks who were our volunteers were um, in recovery from drug and alcohol abuse. So it was really this people helping animals, helping people approach. And it was, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, and it, it was incredible. Yeah. Well, that, you know, it was just like, let's, let's put this into motion. So yeah, yeah. Kind of benefits. So I take I have a lot of takeaways in life that I try to put into action um, from this yeah. HR. And I can see where each you know phase of your career, you know whether it's the military or the dog rescue or HR, it's there's some element of people and helping. Um, you know whether whether it is people or animals, and that's really cool to see. Yes, yes. Relationships are everything, right? So, um, yeah, we're here for a little while on this planet. Let's let's do what we can. I think that's a beautiful statement to end on. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you are or someone you know is like Lynn, who loves helping, email me, lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. 
If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.